بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. We ask Allah for His blessing, for His barakah as it relates to us being in His house this Friday evening. We ask Allah to bless each and every one of us and our loved ones. We ask Allah to open doors for all of us and those closest to us. We ask Allah for the best of this life and the next. Amir Rabbil Alameen. The, uh, the topic tonight that we want to, to touch upon has to do with the concept of remaining strong, how to remain strong especially as it relates to our identity as Muslims, especially in this time and place, during this day and age. How can we hang on to our faith? How can we hang on to our deen? How can we not only survive these times, but how can we thrive during these times as well? And we ask Allah, it sounds big, and it is, but we ask Allah to make that easy for, for us and our loved ones, especially as it relates to the youth. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Because if we're not prioritizing them and making moves as individuals, as families, as communities with them at the forefront of our minds, then something has to be adjusted. That has to be at the top of our priority list. And this is very Quranic in its nature. And this is something that we touched upon a month ago, the last time that we were here, the immediate response from Prophet Ibrahim when Allah tells him, that he's been promoted to the status of being an imam for all of mankind. His immediate response was not even one regarding himself, it was regarding his kids, it was regarding the youth, and then those to come after them and after them and after them. His immediate response without thinking twice, What about my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids? Without, a, without even hesitating, that was his immediate response. When the mother of Sayyidah Maryam delivers Sayyidah Maryam, so imagine this mother delivering a baby. Now the, the, the baby is born and she asks Allah to protect this baby and future potential children, future potential generations from this baby. That is her immediate concern. Sayyidina Zakaria, when, when he's, he's very old in his age, السلام, his wife is very old in age as well, but you still find him. Look at the beginning of Surah Maryam, the first ruku of Surah Maryam. What do you find him saying? So there's this deep concern that's consuming him. What about the next generation? So this has to be at the forefront of our priority list. And this topic of identity and, and trying to, to strengthen our identities as Muslims, especially in the society that we live in, is one of utmost importance for all of us, and especially as it relates to the youth. And there are some of them here. May Allah bless all of you and your parents and your family uh, members, and may Allah bless Sheikh Fuad, and may Allah bless all of the elders in the community who are really trying to, to look after the uh, the next generation. We ask Allah to bless all of our elders and we ask Allah to protect all of our youth. The, the specific passage of ayat that came to mind when preparing for this talk, which is a reminder for myself first and foremost, is from Surah Fusilat. I touched upon it briefly earlier. There's the 1215 Jum'ah here and then the 231 at Masjid al-Nur. Uh, I touch upon it briefly, the beginning of this passage, but I want to dive into it a little bit more, inshallah. The first ayah that ties in, uh, the first ayah of this passage, and I want to tie this passage in with the topic, 
is when Allah says in Surah Fusilat Ayah 30, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوْعَدُونَ I want to highlight a very subtle wrinkle that we find in this ayah and in many other ayat in the Qur'an. I think it's very subtle but also very powerful when Allah talks about believers, when Allah talks about the community, the norm in the Qur'an is for Allah to use the plural. The norm is for Allah to mention those here. Allah didn't say, inna ladhi. Allah didn't mention the singular. The one who says, my Lord is Allah, and that individual remains steadfast and at the time of their death and angels come to them and they tell them you know, that you have nothing to worry about, you have nothing to fear, you're promised Jannah and Jannah is absolutely amazing. May Allah gather all of us there, Amin Rabbil Alameen. At the beginning, there's wisdom in the fact that Allah says, Inna ladina. Inna ladina. If I want to hang on to my faith, if I want to hang on to my identity, there are two things primarily that I need to prioritize. The first one, and both are contained in another ayah in Surah Tawbah, when Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ This ayah is very short and concise, but Allah highlights just a few things. Allah says, O you who believe, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah mentions two things. اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ This ayah really gives us a recipe for success. Allah highlights two things. Allah says, O you who believe, have taqwa of Allah and be with truthful people. So if I want to strengthen my iman, if I want to hang on to my iman, if I want to encourage the youth to, because you have to boil it down, you can't give, look at Surah Al-Kahf. The Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to connect with this surah on a weekly basis. If you look at anything the Prophet encourages ﷺ to do consistently, to say consistently, it's always worth taking a step back and thinking what extra wisdom is contained within this practice. Why Surah Al-Kahf on Fridays consistently weekly? There has to be something special here that the Prophet wanted you and I to reflect on not once in a while, not once a year, but every week. Why is that? Why is the Ayat al-Kursi, the Prophet encourages us to recite it multiple times a day? Ideally after every prayer. Ideally before we sleep. In the morning, in the evening. Look at Adhkar al-Sabah, Adhkar al-Masat. Why is it there are specific du'as, specific Adhkar that the Prophet encourages us to make in the morning and in the evening, ideally, if possible, on a daily and nightly basis? There must be something special about that. So in Surah Al-Kahf, when you look at Ashab Al-Kahf, so the Surah derives its name from the first of the four main stories that has to do with a small group, a handful of sincere youth, they just wanted to hang on to La ilaha illallah. You find no discussion regarding complicated, nuanced fiqh, it has its time and its place, but for them, especially for youth, for your average teenager, what's needed, the basics, the nuts and bolts of La ilaha illallah, that's it. Nothing complicated, nothing overwhelming, simple and beautiful. Just hang on to the rope of Allah, hang on to la ilaha illallah. And any youth, especially teenagers who manage to do that, that that's phenomenal, subhanAllah. 
the fact that there are youth who are here in the masjid on a Friday night says something about them, it says something about their parents, their family, it says something about the community, that it's welcoming for kids to come here, for youth to come here. Because it's not just about them being here, but we want them to want to be here. Ideally. And we ask Allah for that. When Allah talks about their story, and I'll digress in a moment to these ayat. When Allah talks about these youth, small group of youth, Maximum seven and, and their dog is eight. SubhanAllah, one, one benefit that scholars have derived from that element in the story. Sometimes you may find better companionship in animals than in people. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And we know it's true. What's the number? The maximum number would be seven. What's the secret? It's in their sincerity. It's not about the numbers. Now we live in an age of quantity. Make as much money as you can, regardless of how. You want to get as many followers as you can on social media, regardless of how. Leave your iman to the side, leave your taqwa to the side. Just worry about becoming popular, just worry about trying to get rich and famous. Who cares at what cost? Because that has become basically a modern day idol. Just like white supremacy is, a, is a, another modern day idol. We don't have Al-Lat, we don't have Al-Uzza, we don't have Hubal, we don't have... No, but there are different modern-day manifestations of these ideas which can be compared to, to idols. When Allah tells us in Surah Tawbah, يَا إِيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهُ وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ Really, this, this ayah is, is enough. If somebody were, especially a teenager, if they were to open the Qur'an, Ya Allah, I need one ayah, and they read this ayah and they take it with them, I'm just going to try to live whatever ayah that, Ya Allah, you guide me to, to glance at. That one ayah, please make it short, it can't be too long. I'm going to take that and try to live by it. This ayah would suffice. This ayah would suffice. Allah mentions two things. Taqwa, your individual relationship with Allah, and then Allah mentions your social company. Who is that inner circle that we all have? And what do we prioritize as it relates to that inner circle? What's beautiful when you look at the Prophet ﷺ, what he prioritized was the hearts of the people around him. It could have been someone very wealthy like Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an. It could have been someone who was freed as a slave, Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu an. It could have been someone who was a, a, a former shepherd who had a very, a very simple lifestyle, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an. You have Suhaib al Rumi, you have Salman al Farisi, you, you had the whole spectrum. You had the upper class, you had the lower class, you had the middle class. Economically speaking, but with the Prophet was what his concern was the hearts and the character of those around him. What did Allah say at the beginning of this ayah? Did Allah say, O oh, individual believer? No, Allah said, For those of you who believe, time and time and time again, whenever we come across this in the Quran, Allah is reminding us of the importance of community. And within community, there has to be space that is always saved for people who may not come to the masjid that often. They have their space in the community, and that space should be protected for them. How did the Prophet ﷺ deal with the man who came and did something that none of us would ever think of doing? 
This man, he, he enters the Prophet's message in broad daylight, First of all, it's in the city of Medina. Second of all, it's in a masjid. Third of all, in the masjid of the Prophet. Fourth of all, it's in front of people. Fifth of all, it's in front of Sahaba. Sixth of all, it's in front of the Prophet himself, This person at that time, they didn't know any better. Technically, it was an innocent mistake. It was a bad mistake, but it was an innocent mistake. This man, he goes, he starts urinating in the, in the message of the Prophet. With all of these points that I just mentioned, keep that in mind. And how does the Prophet deal with it? Does the Prophet ostracize him? Does the Prophet kick him out of the community and say, you're never welcome to ever come back here ever again? How dare you do something so vulgar? It is vulgar. It is improper. It is unacceptable. How did the Prophet deal with it? The Prophet allowed... Please understand where I'm coming from. The Prophet gave him space. What do I mean by that? The way the Prophet dealt with it, والسلام, he prioritized the heart of that man over that space in the masjid where he urinated. In fact, the Prophet, he mentioned to the Sahaba, let him finish. Like they wanted to jump him. They wanted to completely destroy the guy. You're going to do this and where and in front of Al-Habib who do you think you are? They wanted to, the Prophet, it's his masjid, he's the one telling them, no, 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 let him finish. Let him finish. After he finishes, go pour some water. This is the solution for that problem. This is the remedy for that issue. But the way the Prophet dealt with it was in such a way with so much prophetic wisdom, kindness, compassion, and mercy, notice something. The Prophet goes to him, the Prophet talks to him. The Prophet corrects him, but the Prophet had this incredible skill where even if he corrected someone, they walked away feeling better about themselves than before. When we go and correct each other, we go and destroy people, we attack people, we, we go and, and you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to give them the message plain and clear and straight to the point and this is an ayat in the Qur'an and you know, this is a, an authentic hadith and here... How does that person feel after you go and deliver the message, so to speak? I mean, you just, you were more like an axe than like honey. The Prophet was like honey, alayhi salatu wasalam. So he goes and he speaks to this man. We'll get to these ayat in Surah Fusilat, don't worry. He goes and he speaks to him. And he mentions to him, because the Prophet recognized that, I mean, there's no way he could have known what he's doing. The Prophet goes and he talks to him. He doesn't even talk at him. So from this one story, there's so many different lessons. How do we talk to our kids? How do we talk to our spouses? How do we talk to our elders? How do we talk to people in the community, even if they're doing something wrong? When the Prophet tells the Sahaba, you know, let him finish, scholars have commented on this. One of the wisdoms is because many of the many of these Sahaba, they were they were they had very simple lives. They were very poor. What they were wearing may have been the only garment they owned. So if they go and the guy's doing his business and they go and jump on him and you know beat him up or whatever, it's going to turn into a, a much bigger issue and they're going to have to go home and they're going to have to clean the najasa and this. It'll actually make things worse. So the Prophet responds in a way regarding the issue of what's impure. Okay, we can use water, something pure. We can, we can fix that. But the Prophet took it upon himself to go to him. He allowed him space. He went and he spoke to him. And he mentioned to him that, you know, we don't do this here. This is the house of Allah. We pray here. We read Quran. We remember Allah. We, we don't do X, but we do Y and Z. That's why this is here. 
And the Prophet corrected him in a way, والسلام, with so much love. Imagine the Prophet smiling and everyone else around him is upset, as indicated as the next step in the story. The Prophet goes and, and he gently and lovingly, Rahma, Rahmatan lil'alamin, goes and corrects him, but in a beautiful way. To the point where this man responds and he sees everyone else is angry. He's the only one like smiling and, you know, happy and, and while correcting him, alayhi salatu wasalam. And so this man, he responds, this Bedouin man, he responds saying, May Allah have mercy on me and Muhammad and no one else. Like, forget you, forget you guys. SubhanAllah, he made dua for the Prophet, even though the Prophet technically corrected him, but the Prophet did so like he's offering him a gift. And within that gift, there's honey. And it's organic and it's, you know, the best quality, so on and so forth. To the point, this man, he made dua for him. Why did the Prophet do that? It ties in with our topic. The Prophet is taking care of this man's heart. That's how much the Prophet cared about the hearts of people, after Ta'if. He goes there and what happens, happens. Unfortunately, he's already in a completely broken state in his life. We need to understand that it's not just when he went to Ta'if, that's what happened. What was his state already, he just lost Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha. He just lost his uncle Abu Talib. So he lost his primary external supporter in Abu Talib, especially as this political shield. And he lost his primary internal supporter in the home. He goes out, has a rough day with knuckleheads like Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab, Umay bin Khalaf, so on and so forth. And he goes home and Sayyidah Khadija comforts him, helps to dress his wounds. What was his immediate reaction when he receives revelation? And it scared him, it frightened him. He didn't know what was going on. It's literally an otherworldly experience. His immediate response, he went to Khadija radiallahu anha. And her legacy is preserved in the Quran until now. When Allah says, Ya al Muzammil, who's the one who made him Muzammil? Zamiluni, he said that to who? Khadija. Dathiruni, cover me, he said that to who? Khadija. Her legacy is preserved until now in many ways, including that one. The Prophet, he would always look out for his community, I just want to preface these ayat with that. Just this part, when Allah says, Inna ladina, that should make us take a step back. Community. How much do we value community? And especially within the community, how do we treat other people who may follow a different valid fiqhi opinion than us? It happens all the time. The reality is, especially within America, there are many, many, you have every school of thought here, especially within this community, mashallah, the blessed community that I, I'm thankful that I, I had the privilege to, to grow up and may Allah bless our elders for all the work they put in for laying the foundation and, and, and really, you know, raising things up and it's up to us to step up and to step in and to get involved and, and to, to, to carry that workload as best we can. Within the community, there has to be a place that's always reserved for those who may not look as religious as we may think, as we may expect. There has to be a space reserved for men and for women who may be on the fringes, for youth who are on the fringes. It has to be a safe space. How many times someone, they just convert. They just became Muslim. They go to the masjid. The brother may have earrings in. How many people, they want to jump on him and say, oh, you can't do that, you need to change. Hold on, do you know their name? No. Do you know their middle name? No. Last name? No. Do you know their circumstances? No. 
Do you know if their family just kicked them out of their home three days before that? No. And they slept in a homeless shelter for three days? Did you know that? No. So why are you more concerned with their earrings? They just became Muslim a week ago. Somehow in the social climate we live in, and you're going and jumping on them for this issue that at that point in time, does that really matter? In the grand scheme of things, the answer is no. It may sound shocking to some people, but we have to understand what it means to value community. Why does Allah constant, constantly say, Asr, You guys got to help me out. Then what? Then what? I forgot. What's the next ayah? Wait, it's, why does Allah say plural? Why is it not Allah is reminding us community, community, community. There has to be compassion within the community to keep people involved. If we manage as best we can to try, it's a journey, it's a roller coaster, no question. But if we try to hang on to our hang on to our taqwa, our individual unique relationships with Allah, one-to-one, my relationship with Allah is different than, than everyone else here. That, that's just how it is. Some people may gravitate more towards extra prayer, some people more towards extra fasting, some people more towards feeding the homeless, some people more towards Qur'an, some people more towards hadith, some people more... To, there are so many beautiful ways to come closer to Allah. So it's up to us to reflect, what is my niche? What can I do to serve the community? The majority of the time when we think of community, we think of, I want this to change because I want to be served in a different way. Okay, that's fine. Before you focus on that, ask yourself, what can I do to serve the community? If someone says that, oh, you know, this needs to change. Before you go and complain to someone, sometimes as Muslims, you know, we're supposed to be people of alhamdulillah. Our book begins with alhamdulillah. Our prayer, our namaz begins with alhamdulillah. When people enter Jannah, what do they, what's the first thing they say? Alhamdulillah. We're supposed to be people of gratitude, but then you find us complaining more than anyone else out there. Subhanallah. Have we divorced ourselves from the Qur'an three times over? In reality, in practicality, we put on the shelf at home and we say we love Qur'an and we say we love the Prophet and okay, good. In our character, are we trying to live the glow of the Qur'an? In our own small ways, can we each try to embody the ayah? Are we trying to shine with the teachings of Islam? Anywhere and everywhere we go as best we can. If we want that for us, if we want that for our kids, for our youth, we have to have this deep sense of compassion. If we don't have rahmah in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, then what do we have left? If there's no rahmah, then what do we have left? If youth go to a masjid, and they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like, hey, they're special. Thank you for being here. That's awesome. People don't go where they're tolerated. They go where they're celebrated. If youth feel like, oh, they're tolerated in the masjid, fine, we'll put up with you. Why would they come back? But if they come and they feel celebrated and they feel seen and heard and loved and cared for, they feel the warmth of prophetic compassion from the community, that's how they come back. They may have left Islam. You and I, we're all aware that there is a social pandemic. Sorry, not social, spiritual. There's a spiritual pandemic of a huge number of youth leaving Islam. I hate to break it to you, but I kind of get where they're coming from. 
if you go to a restaurant and you're treated with absolutely putrid behavior, you're not going to care how good the food is. You're not going to care about the Yelp reviews. You're not going to care about your friend or cousin who told you, go there, it's amazing. If you walk in and someone, if they're extremely rude to you and they insult you to your face and they treat you with barbaric character, you're not even going to make it to the table. You're going to walk right out. So we should compare that and contrast that. How do we treat guests of Ar-Rahman in his house? This isn't my house. This isn't your house. So when people come here, they're guests of Allah. Can you imagine if you're at an iftar party and you're a guest and then you go to another guest and you say, hey, I don't like the color of your shirt. You need to leave. How about you leave? <laughs> it's not your house. You're not the host. So in the house of Allah, how do we treat people? All of this ties in with identity. All of this ties in with taqwa. All of this ties in with وَكُنُمْ عَصَّادِقِينَ we ask Allah to help us to live this ayah and these ideas as best we can. Amir Rabbil Alameen. The main ayah that I want to touch upon is ayah 33. I'm going to mention it and then I'm going to go back to ayah 30. Okay? In ayah 33, Allah mentions, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا مِّمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Allah says, and whose words are better than someone who calls others to Allah? So that's number one. Number two, does good. And number three, and says, I am truly one of those who submit. I'm from the Muslims. Someone else can be rich and famous. You can do all that and be Muslim too. Just keep it halal, you'll be fine. May Allah put barakah. Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he was a billionaire. How did he use his wealth to serve Allah and his messenger? Sayyidina Uthman was very wealthy. And Allah mentions in Surah Tawbah, fi sa'atil usra, that at the time of Tabuk, it was an extremely difficult time. It's an extremely difficult squeeze for the community. And the Prophet is fundraising, alayhi salatu wasalam. So when, when things got more difficult, look at the response of Sayyidina Uthman. He didn't give less, he actually gave more. And then he gave more, and then he gave more. And once again, the Prophet gave him the glad tidings of Jannah. Because of his generosity, especially during a time of need and a time of difficulty. Look at his care for community. He, he cares so much about the preservation of, of community. Sayyidina Uthman, in his own right as an individual, Look at the accolades of Sayyidina Uthman. It's a very long list. He's already, even before this, he's already been given the glad tidings of Jannah. But he was motivated by that to do more. It didn't become an excuse to do less. It became a source of inspiration, motivation. How, how can I live my taqwa? How can I live my iman? Alladheena amanu wa amilu salihat. Over and over and over. Again, community, the group, in a healthy way. It's not about group thinking in an unhealthy way. Hey, everyone is doing this. That's wrong. So I'm going to be like them and do that. No, but to take a step back, to value the community, how can I serve? Because in doing so, in doing so, this is really what's going to, for the youth who are still Muslim, may Allah bless them and protect them always and their families, Amir bin Alameen, through community, that's how they remain Muslim. And through them, they're going to be the main bridges that bring 
those who they know from the youth, they may have left Islam, they're going to be the bridges to bring them back. Because they're going to offer a positive alternative. Hey, Friday night, instead of going to the hookah lounge, hey, come on, let's go to the masjid, let's go play ball, let's go eat somewhere, let's go do this, let's go do that, let's go play soccer. You can't just tell someone, don't go to the bar, don't go to the club, don't go smoke hookah. And what's the alternative? That has to be prioritized as a community. When that happens, and it shouldn't be if that happens, it should be when that happens, especially if if we're putting in the time and the effort and the resources as best we can to help them, through that Allah will help us. Sometimes we forget that the Prophet taught us that Allah helps you so long as you're helping your brother or sister. So long as you're helping other people, Allah will help you. So if you think about it, if someone is having a hard time, maybe with their kids, with their teenagers, which unfortunately is, is the norm, a person should think, okay, what can I do to help other people with their teenagers? Through that, the barakah will come full circle and then Allah will help me in my situation, whatever that may be. Maybe that's something Allah wants from you. Maybe that's something Allah wants from us. Maybe there's wisdom behind the different challenges that we have. How can we turn something bad into something good? In this ayah, Allah mentions words. And who is better in speech than one who calls to Allah and does good? And they say, I am from the Muslims. You notice something in this ayah. And we're going to backtrack to ayah 30 and then connect the dots. Here, Allah mentions the individual or the group. Allah mentions the individual. And who, which in the end, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلَ مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ وَعَمِنُ صَالِحًا So even though Allah mentions the individual, what's the capstone to the ayah? It comes back to, وَقَالَ إِنَّنِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ It goes back to the community. Because if someone, if they really value their taqwa, they really value their iman, their character, they're, they're so focused on trying to serve and live their deen as best they can, then people may ask them, like, wow, like you've done these amazing things. It could be feeding the homeless, it could be helping refugees, you know, with their paperwork, it could be anything. And you're just trying to do good for the sake of Allah. And they, they may be affected by that, impacted by that. And they may ask, like, wow, like, are you a superhero? No, I'm, I'm just from the Muslims. It always goes back to the community. Ahlu Sunnah, what? Jama'ah. Going back to Ayah 30, Allah mentions, for those who say, our Lord is Allah and they remain steadfast. We mentioned this earlier in Jum'ah. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُ If you think about it, elsewhere in the Qur'an, Allah mentions other people who say, our Lord is Allah. But what's the difference between this Ayah and the other one, when Allah says, The difference is between these two, one group are from the best of the best, and another group, may Allah protect us, are from the worst of the worst, from the hypocrites. Allah says that there are people, they say, Our Lord, they say that we believe in Allah and the last day, but Allah says they don't actually believe at all. Not even an ounce, not even the smallest amount. For them, yes, there are words. We believe in Allah. Here, there are words. What's the primary difference between the two distinct groups of people? Both groups praying behind the same Imam and the Prophet in Medina. 
The main difference between them is living that claim. These two words can be the difference between ending up in Jannah and ending up elsewhere. May Allah protect us. Both say they believe in Allah, but the difference is primarily in practice. We ask Allah to help us to practice that claim as best we can. Allah mentions those who say our Lord is Allah and they remain steadfast. Notice something. This part is rather short. It's not lengthy. The amount of time that we have in this life is very short in the grand scheme of things. How much time is between these ayat? Tiny split second. That's how much time we have in the dunya. Allah mentions birth and then Allah mentions death in Surah Abasa. Imam Shafi'i he said that this life is but a moment, so make it a moment of obedience. No question, easier said than done, but we can at least try. We can at least struggle. We can at least try to show Allah that I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to do good, and then if there's a mistake, I try to fix it. I'm not going to consciously go and spill Kool-Aid on the brand new rug. I'm going to try to avoid that, but in case it happens, I'm going to clean it up right away. I don't want it to sit there. I want to be quick about doing that. When Allah mentions what they do, it's very short. They believe in Allah and they remain steadfast and then look at the reward that comes after that. The angels descend upon them saying, don't fear, don't grieve. Instead, rejoice in the good news of Jannah, which you've been promised. And then it continues. We are your supporters. We're your supporters, your awliya in this world, in this dunya and in the hereafter. There you'll have whatever your souls desire and there you'll have whatever you ask for. Imagine this, ending up in Jannah, finally, may Allah grant all of us Jannah, say Ameen. Imagine entering Jannah and your first words being Alhamdulillah. And then in Jannah you get whatever you want, you get whatever you ask for. Subhanallah. Just imagine that and then look at what Allah says after this. So Allah mentions two things. You have whatever your souls desire. Literally, that's what it says. And there you'll have whatever you ask for. And then what does Allah... So this is like everything that you could imagine, everything that you want. Then Allah says, Nuzulam min rahim. Subhanallah. It's translated here in the clear Quran. An accommodation from the all-forgiving, most merciful Lord. Nuzul is like an appetizer. Nuzul is not even the meal. It's not even the banquet. Nuzul, for a modern day example, it's like if, if you have a flight and you're offered peanuts, you're offered something to drink. So here Allah is saying that you getting whatever you want and you getting whatever you ask for, that's just the appetizer, subhanAllah. That's just the beginning. So it, it makes you wonder, subhanAllah, so if you get whatever you want, you get whatever you ask for, that, that's, the, that's the peanuts and the, and the, and the Diet Coke? SubhanAllah, what about, what about everything else? Allah is doing this to entice us, to inspire us, to, so we can use our imagination and to hope and dream that, wow, SubhanAllah, I want to go there. 
Elsewhere in the Quran, Allah mentions more details in terms of the fruit, in terms of the people of Jannah, in terms of the, the social climate. There's no bullying in Jannah ever. Illa qilan salama salama. People only say good things all the time. People, people are only kind to each other all the time. No foul language. No one is putting anyone down. They're, it's all good. Allah even mentions uh, in Surah Insan, Allah mentions even the climate in Jannah. Perfect weather, basically. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Just right. When Allah mentions these things, it's supposed to motivate us that, you know what, when, when I see these dunya examples, so when, when Allah mentions grapes in the Quran, in Al-Muttaqeen in Mafaza, Hada'iqa wa A'naba, for example, what that's supposed to do is make me think about Quran and Jannah the next time I'm at home or at the store or someone's house and there are grapes. All of a sudden when you have lenses of Quran, when you see grapes, it's not just seeing a fruit. It also becomes a reminder in and of itself about the bigger picture, about Jannah. You know, these grapes are amazing. Ya Allah, give us the grapes of Jannah. This honey is amazing. Ya Allah, give us the honey of Jannah. Fresh cold water on a hot summer day. Ya Allah, give us the water of Jannah. So now there's a lot more, it be, life becomes a lot more meaningful when you look at things with lenses of Quran, with lenses of Iman, with lenses of valuing the community. Community and identity, they go hand in hand. If youth are leaving Islam, left and right, uh, unfortunately, I see that as more on us than on them. What can we do differently? Because if we're here on a Friday night, then we must have had some kind of positive experience related to the deen. We must have tasted by the grace of Allah some kind of sweetness from Islam, some kind of sweetness from Iman. So we should be thinking, if they're turning away from something, they must be turning away from vinegar, not honey. There's no way. There's no way they know about the Prophet in detail, and they're still turning away from him. There's no way they know the Qur'an in detail and they're still turning away from it. Whatever they're turning away from is some kind of ugly misrepresentation that's pushing them away. That's what they're turning away from. If someone is harsh with them, if they're mistreated, there are many examples, unfortunately. So we should think proactively. Okay, let's take a sense of responsibility. How can we change things? What can we do to want to motivate them to come to the masjid more on a Friday night? And it doesn't have to be for, for a talk, for a halaqa, for... Man, if I was a teenager, you think I, I would be in a, uh, attending a talk on a Friday night? There's no way. I just want to play basketball. That was it. That was enough at that time. And then, you know what? When it's time for Aisha, you go inside and you pray. And then you go back to playing. But at least there's proximity. It's better to be playing basketball here than elsewhere. And then little by little by little... So something, I'll get back to the, the ayahs in a moment, something we should always keep in mind, give it 10 years. You see someone in the masjid, a brother, he has purple hair, he has earrings, give him 10 years. You see a sister showing up and she's not covered, how you think she should be covered, give her 10 years. Why? How can I give them 10 years? And How can you go and damage someone in your mind for the sake of Allah? Is that how the Prophet did things? No. So if the Sahaba are the best generation of Muslims, Sahaba Kiram, radiallahu anhum, and Allah gave them how many years 
before alcohol was prohibited? How many years before hijab was mandated? How much time before the ruling started coming in more frequently in Medina? Why more in Medina than Mecca? Because they're trying to survive. You have Sayyidina Bilal being dragged through the streets and this giant boulder on his chest, so on and so forth. It's not the time. So if we're in the end of times and it's difficult, as the Prophet described, holding on to your faith is like holding on to hot coal. At that point in time, if someone is holding on to hot coal, they're not concerned about anything else. The only thing is everything that I've got is going into just trying to hold on to this. This thing called Islam. It has to be a community effort. It, it takes a village and we have to be that village. We have to provide that village. We have to look, what can we do to help? If there's an issue, what can we do to offer a solution? I mean, if we just want to sit at home and complain and this and that and this and that, nothing's going to change. The Prophet had more weight on his shoulders than anyone else in human history. And look at how he proactively dealt with the ills in his community, in his society. It gives us a model that we should try our best to follow and we ask Allah to make it easy for us Amin Rabbil Alameen In Ayah 30 Allah mentions الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ استقاموا. And then after that Allah mentions that they end up in Jannah you get whatever you want you get whatever you ask for After that Allah mentions this is just the accommodation this is just the appetizer Then Allah mentions the key ayah that I wanted to touch upon and who is better in speech than someone who calls to Allah it's not about calling to themselves. Nowadays, in, in this age of narcissism and, and this hyper-focus on the nafs, I mean, if you were to translate a selfie, literally, it would be a nafsi. Hey, let me take a nafsi. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with selfies in and of themselves. The point is, there's so much focus on the nafs in, the, in the, the, this time and age and society that we live in. It's global, too. There's so much focus on the me, on the I, Phone, the iPad. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having an iPad or iPhone. That's not the point. The point is, we live in an age where there's so much focus on the individual. On me, on me, on me, on me. If we fall into that, then we lose track of the we. We lose track of the community. We can pause for Adhan, and, and then if anyone has any, any comments, reflections, any questions afterwards, we can do that. And I think Iqama is 8.40, inshallah.
Does anyone have any? It's 8.20 now. The Qam is at 8.40. We don't have to go all the way until there, but I do want to open it up to see if any if anyone has any comments, reflections, any questions. Otherwise, I'm going to start calling on people. Are you raising your hand? You're pointing at him, but I think you're actually... You want to say something. Unfortunately, yeah. There, there are. So he asked, "Is there really a uh, pandemic, a spiritual pandemic of youth leaving the religion?" And the sad reality is, yes. Yeah, there, there are. So we should look at, okay, what can we do to to try to prevent that from happening? There's prevention and cure, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So ideally, we want to try to prevent that as much as we can. And then, in case it does happen, okay, then we need to offer some type of cure, some type of solution. And for those who have left, may uh, Allah bring them back. Good question. Any other, any questions, any reflections from anyone? I want to ask a question for for the youth. You know, you're youth until 40, so... (laughs) What what do you guys? This is open to both brothers and sisters. Can we start, ladies first? No, we can't. Okay. So I want to hear from from you guys. What what do you guys want to see in the community that you think will bring more youth to the masjid on a Friday night? It could be anything fun, anything creative, any any ideas that you guys have. What do you guys want from the community? This is your chance to speak out. Yes, ma'am. Where, 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 Sheikh Ibrahim? Sheikh Ibrahim Yemeni. We had, we had another mic somewhere. Okay, go ahead. Basketball tournaments. Okay. No, that, that's a good idea. So now the youth are speaking. Okay, this is what. They want to happen because here's the thing. We need to hear from them. What do they want to happen? And then how can we try to facilitate that? Because if we just try to come up with ideas without asking them, then it may work, it may not. But if we hear it directly from them, then there's a much higher, I'm saying this from many years of experience, may Allah accept it. We need to hear from them what they want. And then how can we make that happen? So I need someone to help me out with Yaqeen, you're on the spot. I need someone to write things down. Okay, this counts too for writing, writing. So, 
and please keep track of brothers and sisters. So she mentioned basketball tournaments. Okay, good. Anything else from the sisters before? We can go back and forth, but I want to see if any. Yes, ma'am. A lady's room? Yes. Can you give her the mic just so everyone can hear? They have separate at the other massages, so they mm-hmm. have their lounge, like ladies' lounge. So it could be like in a private room. Mm-hmm. So they will be, they will feel more free. At the same time, their kids will be nearby. Mm-hmm. So it's like our club, right? Mm-hmm. That should be our club. So they have to. So when she says club, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I, because we, this is the area we, we should meet every mm-hmm. Friday. Mm-hmm. We, we have to social. Not always we have to listen to the lectures, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is the best place in, instead of going to the parks. Mm-hmm. So they should prepare a good place for us, like luxury place, not mm-hmm. just sitting on the corridors. Mm-hmm. So what what you're requesting is a room, a ladies' room, a specific room for the sisters. I, I want to have this this discussion and hear from from those of you who are here. So as a community, these ideas can be brainstormed and then turn into realities, inshallah. And through that, a lot of good will come, inshallah. How about from Jazakallah Khair? Do we have a, a third sister before we pass it over to the brothers? We can still come back to you if you don't want to say anything now. Okay, anyone on this side? And if brothers don't speak up, I'm going to start calling on you guys. I saw a hand go up here somewhere. Hold on. Okay, here in the front, over here. Ra- raise your hand just so we know. Go ahead. More free food. More free food? More free food? <laughs> so, so that, hold on, hold on. So, so that's something that you want to receive. Would you be willing to cook any of that food? No, only eating? You're a chef? So you're suggesting the idea and then you're hoping for, for other people to take care of the, the hard work. What kind of food? What kind? Of, like what? What's the? Like what kind of food do you think? What, let, let's say whether it's a food truck or a food was provided in the youth room on a Friday night, for example, or even here in the banquet hall. What kind of food? No, th- this is actually important. The healthy kind. The unhealthy kind. <laughs> Very honest. <laughs> Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So, so what you want is for there to be a bunch of food trucks and then you think that'll bring a whole lot of youth to the message if they know that specific types of food are going to be there? I need, I need something specific, either from you or someone else, a specific kind of food. Chicken drip. Huh? Chicken drip. Chicken drip? Is that a real place? Pizza. Pizza, chicken drip. Huh? Is, there, is it good? Is it truck? Okay, so, Sidi Ibrahim, we're, we're brainstorming ideas. Okay, what else? What else? Yeah. Wings up. So this is for the food. What are some other, so good, the, the food. So you guys, who here is involved with the youth committee? Raise your hand. Okay, so y'all need to be jotting these ideas down to see how you can make it happen. And here's the thing. You don't have to be on a committee to have good ideas and to try to put in the work to make them happen. You can volunteer to contribute. How can you help with organizing it? 
Okay, so aside from the food, that's one. What's something else? Yeah, like a fun activity. She mentioned basketball tournaments. Yeah. More activities and events based mm-hmm. on uh, Islamic. More activities and events based on Islam. Like, what's an example? Like a uh, Quran, like tournament. Like who can? A Quran tournament. Yeah. That's a good idea. Okay. Yaqeen, are you writing these down? MashaAllah. Okay, what else? Yeah. More trivia? More trivia? Quran trivia? Islamic trivia. Yeah. And then prizes at the end too? Yeah. Okay. Okay, one more and then we can wrap it up. We can get ready for, for prayer, inshallah. So not teams, but individuals? So you want the whole prize for yourself? <laughs> okay. Okay. So... We'll, we'll, say, we'll take two Okay, two more I was going to say one, two more And we'll, we'll conclude So one and, and then two So where, where is one? Who? Yes I can't, I can't hear you I heard the word tournament But I don't know what it was connected to So to come up with different tournaments? Of, so it could be a basketball tournament, it could be a I don't know FIFA tournament, video games, or it could be different types of tournaments. Football tournament. Okay, so that's one, and then two over here. Chicken drip. More spelling bees. Huh? More spelling bees? Are you serious? <laughs> I can't tell if you're serious or not. Are you like really good at spelling? <laughs> okay, hold on. So we're going to wrap up that component. The reason why I wanted to hear from you guys is because when we look at the ayah, If we want our youth, if we want our kids to be in the right company, we have to do everything that we can to try to provide that for them. How can we facilitate that for them? If we want our kids to come to the message on a Friday night, this is what we need to do. What, do, what will bring you and your friends here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, let's go make them happen. So hold on. It's up to, I want you guys to try to make these things happen. I'm serious. Think in a creative way. How can you help make it happen? So if y'all want chicken drip here, don't think, okay, I mentioned that I want someone else to do it. No, no, no. How can you guys bring chicken drip? Listen, if I come back next month, inshallah, I expect there to be chicken drip, man. No pressure. Mm-hmm. So, 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 teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> Mashallah. 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 You, got, you guys have some amazing ideas. So, thank you, Yaqeen, for jotting them down. We're going to go ahead and, and conclude. Uh, Iqamah is in about 10 minutes. May Allah bless all of you for being here. May Allah bless all of you for, for carving out the time to come to the message on a Friday night. May Allah bless all of the youth who are here, the brothers and the sisters. May Allah protect you guys. Look. I want you guys to lead us. I'm tired, man. Y'all got to step up. You got to, Yaqeen, come on, man. You got to round up the troops and, really. So you guys figure out what your skill is. What is your talent? What is your niche? And how can you use that to help the youth, to help the community? Okay? May Allah give all of you tawfiq. May Allah open awesome doors for all of you because of your good intentions. We ask Allah for the good of this life and the next ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وكان هذا بنار سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين جزاكم الله خير